This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we really just like to keep it shallow. I'm your host, Kate. I'm Megan. Get ready for all the spoilers. Being a boy in the 80s would have been so fun. It seems like they kind of have it all. Like, no rules. Your parents are just suggestions of authority. <laughs> yeah, I always felt that way about, I think it's the 60s, from watching movies like Now and Then, because they were just riding their bikes around everywhere, and their parents never knew where they were. And that seemed really fun. But I guess kids got kidnapped a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in this movie, there's uh, milk carton kids and fires yeah. all over the place. That's true. So, so I guess there was like a solid like 20 or 30 years where kids had a lot of freedom to ride their bikes around, but also the freedom to get kidnapped. Yeah, or turned into vampires. We're talking Lost Boys. 1987, Joel Shoemaker of Batman fame. I mean, that's that's who I think of when I think of Joel Shoemaker. Is there anything else? Even I don't notable? know. I, I mean, I think it's Batman. I think, I think his legacy is the Batman movies, which I think is a fun legacy. Like when I think of Joel Schumacher movies, I think of fun, kind of campy, like very action campy. Movies. Yeah, because he didn't do the Tim Burton ones. Obviously, he did. He did the goofy sequels, <laughs> but um, yeah. with the nipple suits, <laughs> he had some fun there. <laughs> and the colorful villains, like it was very cartoony and. I think that this movie uh, is a horror movie, but I think that there's so much comedy to it, too. Like, there's a lot of, like, levity in some of the moments. Yes. Maybe not intentionally in some of them, but, like, definitely in some parts you're like, oh, this is high stress, but then they undercut it with a joke or a really funny line delivery or something. Yeah, this movie comes off to me as very campy. I think it, it originally it was going to be kind of like a Goonies, Goonies mm-hmm. aged group of kids. And they wanted to bump up the ages to make it a little more sexy. <laughs> yes, I was reading that too. They originally wanted all of the vampire boys to be 14 and the <laughs> frog brothers you know Corey feldman being frog one of them brothers. to be around you know eight kind of cub scout style uh and they wanted to sex it up a little bit <laughs> so we got so then we get these like this youth biker gang uh led by Kiefer sutherland's character david it's funny because i felt like with them making it more adult there's some moments that are a little bit jarring like there's a sex scene in this movie there's a crazy sex scene in this movie it's (laughs) straight out of an 80s hair metal band video it's really weird tonally it does not fit in this movie i forget that it is in here and I'm just like, oh, they tried to make this movie more adult by shoehorning in this sex scene that was really actually quite unnecessary. And then it takes you over the clouds. Back to the sex scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really weird scene. Well, maybe we should get a summary so we can just keep diving in further and further. 
Yes. So the plot of Lost Boys is about these two teenage boys and their divorcee mother have relocated from sunny Arizona to sunny Santa Carla, California, (laughs) fictional city, where (laughs) child abductions (laughs) are just running rampant over the years. Uh, It turns out they have a pretty big vampire problem. Um, Older teen uh, Michael falls in with this gang of vampire kids, um, while younger brother Sam falls in with uh, comic book nerds of the Frog Brothers. Michael gets half turned into a vampire, so then there's a plot to try and help him by killing whoever the head vampire is. So there's this kind of mystery plot on who's the head vampire, who do they need to kill in order to reset all the vampires. And yeah, there's a goofy grandpa character that, you know, the kids and the mom live with. That's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) Is that everything? (laughs) This movie posits a lot of new stuff about vampires. Like there's there's so many rules involved and they're like very explained. (laughs) They shoved in so many traits about vampires in this movie I it's like kind of hard to keep track of and I felt like my conception of what a vampire was after watching this movie was like worse (laughs) like because I was like there's so many things that like I don't even know if it was being internally consistent with like the rules I also wrote down stuff that I don't think is necessarily applicable to vampires I just couldn't tell if if it's the characters behaving a certain way or if it's actually a vampire rule that they're establishing. Mm-hmm. So my list is kind of all over the place when we eventually get to that. Yes, I I do think that this movie, it's a different type of vampire movie from almost everything that preceded it because of like the youth element. I mean, the title's a reference to Peter Pan, right? Peter Pan's yeah. Lost Boys who never want to mature, never want to grow up. And I thought it was pretty apt. (laughs) Yeah, I love the title. Yeah, title's great. In terms of the movie being a metaphor or allusion to the Lost Boys, it's pretty loose. I mean, they try and like make it explicit at the very end when the head vampire says like, I wanted your mother to be the Wendy to all of my lost boys. I was like, oh, guys, we didn't need to do that. Very weird. And <laughs> Diane West, who plays the mother, she's great. She's in a lot of stuff, usually as the mm-hmm. mom. Yeah. <laughs> she gives him her hand. She's like, okay. She doesn't even want to put up a fight at the end. And I was like, girl, protect your children. What's the matter with you? I know. It's like, was she enchanted or glamored like by him or Maybe? is she just a very weak character she i feel like the weak. women in this movie <laughs> the women in this movie are not well portrayed no i, would, I will say yeah jamie gertz plays star she's from twister she has information that she could give michael regarding what's going on with him and why these guys are the way they are or what's happening to him and she's just like I can't tell you and then they have sex uh, yeah and and it makes not great. no sense to me like she's just a, a sex object basically in this movie beyond that she doesn't help in pretty much any way yeah, she's just an object being passed around because when we meet Star, it seems like she's dating 
David, you know, that's Kiefer Sutherland, the head vampire of this like teen vamp gang. But she's also taking care of Laddie, who's like a younger boy. Oh, yeah. He's our Claudia. Yes. Yeah. Our poor Claudia. And you learn later that Star and Laddie are both also half vampires, which in this movie, being a half vampire means that you've gone through this initiation ritual, but you haven't killed someone yet. In order to become a full vampire, you have to kill someone. And so you have hope that if the head vampire is killed, that you'll revert back to a human state. Weird. Weird addition of vampire mythology to this. Star knows all of this. Star knows this. Yeah. And just like doesn't help Michael (laughs) for some reason. She's suppressing her desire to tell him that he is supposed to be her first kill because this will actually turn her into a vampire. And mm-hmm. instead of just saying this or, you know, just having sex with him, I guess, I don't know. She just acts like, I can't tell you, I can't tell you. But nothing comes of her not telling him. He finds out anyway. I mean, it doesn't yeah, there's no alter anything. I guess. Yeah, yeah. He finally confronts her about it. And he's like, why didn't you tell me this? You Did you care too much about me? It, it makes no sense. Like this interaction, this this relationship between him and star and the vampires in general made no sense to me. I didn't like it either. It felt like they wanted to have higher stakes by having this relationship in there with like her own plot line with Laddie and where is her allegiance? Is she going to help Michael or is she going to stay with David? But they just didn't it's flesh it out and pretty none obvious. of her choices. Yeah. yeah. And none of her choices mattered anyway because, because like everything would have happened regardless of her input so I think that like between her and then the mom who's like being kind of obviously seduced by the head vampire throughout the course of this movie like you're like all right ladies like what's going on here I know Edward Herman was our head vampire he's he's a bozo I mean he's he's a cool guy he's a cool uh actor he's he plays a dad kind of guy but he is such a dweeb <laughs> compared to the Lost yes. Boys. <laughs> I like how they juxtapose that. Yeah. He's an adult. He's not a cool young guy. He just wants to have this gaggle of boys doing what? Who knows? I mean, they're just kind of gathering more boys into their fold as time goes on. But yeah. it didn't really... His motivation didn't really check out for me. I mean, he was a fun character. I think that it is funny to see this like very adult vampire <laughs> against like all these like young cool kids in their to five. leather jackets. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense for me either. He has a bunch of boys who are his vampire boys and he wants more boys. And then what? Like, yeah, there's no end game. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, not great. This movie was really concerned with style. Definitely. It was like it was like let's make a movie about 80s youth culture in the context of vampires. And the 80s influence is pretty fun. I do like that. I love how 80s this this movie is. That scene of 
Tim Capella's cover of The Calls, I Still Can't Believe. I still can't believe how long it went on for. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> the soundtrack is pretty fun. I mean, they've got In Excess on it. They've got... The Doors. Oh, is, isn't there like an Echo and the Bunnymen like cover of a Doors song? Yeah. I mean, it's it's good. It's it's a good soundtrack. The cast, right? Corey Feldman. That guy is the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. Joel Schumacher was just like gushing over how the cast makes this movie. And I totally agree. Like, I think that they brought a lot of character to this movie I think that this movie is really watchable and I think it's really watchable because of the actors maybe more so than the plot (laughs) definitely definitely yeah even um the little brother I forget his last name but he's another Corey he was great I thought he he did a good job with his role and and he really brought through the Goonies aspect of the whole thing I thought really well Yes, I would love to see the actual Goonies version of this because of how fun the Corys are, right? Like the Frog Brothers plus Sam, the little brother, like they just kind of feel like junior investigators on the case. They're so cute. (laughs) Like I want to follow them. I liked their scenes together a lot. Yeah, their scenes are really fun. I mean, when they're planning out how to take down the vampires, they're like, we have squirt guns with holy water. Yeah. And um slingshots. You know, it's just like such an 80s like boy extravaganza. <laughs> yes. It was great to have a nice vampire weaponry montage. That's also a very 80s move. It was super cool. It was cute. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think the the setting too, I mean it made me like really desperately wish that I could have been a teenager in the late 80s in a California boardwalk town. In Santa Cruz. I know. Yes. <laughs> this is so Santa Cruz. They don't hide it at all. Like they use yes. all of it. All these shots are, are pretty much of Santa Cruz other than the, I want to say like the railroad crossing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of spots, but this is very Santa Cruz. There, there's no hiding it. I love it. And I love the idea of being a teenager where it's like, oh, on the weekends, like you and your friends go bum around the boardwalk yeah. after dark and which maybe is really play fun. some games. <laughs> but like mostly you just walk up and down the boardwalk. And I was like, oh gosh, this is just like so fun. Like it just has that very youthful, like 80s freedom vibe to it. And it really establishes brotherly love as a concept. This movie is all about brotherly love. I think that, I mean, maybe this is like a too serious interpretation for this movie, but I think that Michael's dalliance with vampirism in this movie is kind of like representative of um, what happens when you have one sibling who's maturing faster than the others or becoming an adult first and getting a girlfriend and having sex and hanging out with friends and and doesn't want to hang out with a younger brother anymore and the kind of separation that happens between older and younger siblings like that but then of course like it reaffirms their brotherly love and their brotherly bond by Sam being like the responsible one to try and help him out of his vampireness. He's like, oh, we can get you back. We can get you back to being who you actually are. 
Yeah, he's like, you're a vampire, but I still love you, which I thought was really cute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny in the beginning when we meet them, they're like all in each other's personal space. They're kind of hanging on each other. Do they kiss each other at one point or it just seems like they're very close to it? They're always touching. Yeah. Yeah. So like we see their bond is super strong. And I was like, I don't know if I've ever known brothers in real life who are this affectionate with each other. (laughs) I have not. It's very like idealistic almost of like, oh, this is what like a strong bond between boys can look like. I mean, I can confirm some other weird behavior in this movie. Sam hops into bed with his mom. I think he's like scared at night or something. I forget why. Mm-hmm. But he hops in the bed with her and I can definitely confirm that that happens. <laughs> <laughs> My nephew, who just started high school this year, still gets into bed with his mother while, you know, when he wants to cuddle. He's going to be thrilled when this podcast gets huge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I didn't drop his name, so uh, I think that's all right. I mean, he's like shirtless. He'll like jump into bed with her and he's like ripped. He's turning into a little man. And so me and Zach (laughs) like to rib him a little about that. But yes, like little high school boys still climb into bed with their mothers. (laughs) That does happen. Lots of boy bonding scenes yeah. in this one. I mean, yeah, it's like boy boys and their moms, boys and their friends. You know, it's just like, I mean, I don't want to say that Michael's like bonding with the vampire gang is like a positive <laughs> portrayal of male bonding, but it is male bonding. It like, is. And what is it like to form that new relationship with people who are pressuring you into wanting to do stuff? I mean, because these boys yeah. are reckless. They're so reckless. They're like (laughs) hanging off the train tracks for fun. I was like, no, I would walk away. Like this just wouldn't happen because what are you supposed to do after the train's gone? And it happens, right? Michael's hanging there and he's like, well, shit, now what? (laughs) I fall. The train bridge scene. I mean, they're the way that they ride motorcycles around just like speeding and going super fast. Yeah. they steal stuff. They're just very rowdy teenagers. Yeah, they're bozos. This section of the movie, I don't enjoy following as much as our vampire hunters. I'll be honest with you. I, I get kind of tired of watching Michael come to the realization of what he is and how it's affecting his life. Although I do find it funny when he just starts floating around for no reason. <laughs> It's like it takes up until that point. It's not even like necessarily like the (laughs) bloodlust. It's like when he like (laughs) is uncontrollably floating and his brother is the one who has to be like, Michael, you're a vampire. (laughs) You're a creature of the night, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) That line is so funny. I think that's my favorite line in the movie. It's so funny. (laughs) We had to stop and rewind and watch it again because it's so good. (laughs) The level of like humor in that line with he's so serious. (laughs) so good I want the whole movie to be like that yeah it jumped around from being like that being kind of silly and like more of a kid movie to 80 sex scene what are you trying to be like how serious are you trying to be here Mm -hmm. I feel like this movie couldn't decide what mood to take but that was one of the better lines yeah everything with like Sam the younger brother is like not its own movie, but it's it's its own fun plot line that 
like I said earlier, it just like undercuts the seriousness of like what's going on with Michael and these other boys. I mean, they live in what they keep calling the murder capital of the United States. Murder capital. And there's like dead children and like missing children. In a beach town? In a beach town. Yeah. People usually are happy in a beach town. I know. I was like, really? You picked like a sunny, beautiful place like to be a vampire and have your vampire clan? Like you didn't want to go to like North Dakota or something where the sun sets at 3.30 p.m. year round? There are some fun kind of like pop culture like references in this one too. At the beginning of the movie, there's a really extended sequence with this like super muscular oiled up sax player. A sax player? Sax, saxophone. Oh, sax player. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do remember that. And the first thing Zach said was, if you're playing saxophone, you're wearing a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy, his name is Tim Capello, and he was huge in the 80s. He was like so popular. The main act he performed with was Tina Turner. He went on Uh, tour with Tina Turner. Um, I think he played on like an album or two of hers. He eventually like got his own gigs, but they put him in this movie and it's like right at the beginning of the movie. It's a really long sequence of them just watching him play the saxophone. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's just us watching these kids at a concert. Just establishes that kids like concerts. And go to them. I I don't know what else it establishes, but it seemed like, okay, we're going to pay this guy to come be in our movie. So that will attract the audience and nothing more. I guess so. (laughs) I mean, it's such a weird choice. I mean, I think that they have like a couple of kind of weird directing choices around like the pop culture references that they've got in this movie. This one is the first one. There's also a lot of comic book references since the kids meet in a comic book store and Mm -hmm. they're learning everything they know about vampires through comic books because that's how it works I guess I like that because Joel Schumacher is such like a comic book nerd though yes it's a nice nod to him yeah I was like oh this one feels maybe a little bit more authentic or a little more genuine yeah I don't hate it I just think it's funny (laughs) I mean, that's what these t- these types of boys would have been doing at the time, too. Like, they would have been hanging out of the comic book store on the boardwalk. So it makes sense. I wanted to say uh, there's a Batman poster in the background, so it's a nod to Batman, but it's not because he hadn't made those movies yet. <laughs> I'll call it foreshadowing. <laughs> I love the idea of Joel Schumacher just being so oriented around comics and, like, Batman in particular, that, like, what a dream come true for him to get to direct multiple movies in the 90s. (laughs) One thing I spotted in the background was a poster for a film called Kiss of the Spider Woman. I spent, like, a little bit of time looking to see if that meant something. Like, is that important to this? Does that have anything to do (laughs) with this movie? Or is it just there? It's. I think it's just there. I couldn't find anything. But... Mm-hmm. What I was reading about the movie made me want to watch it. So I'm going to just like drop a little uh, hint to, to go watch it. I, I, I kind of want to see it. It's it's about two men who are in jail. Uh, they're cellmates and eventually are uh, used by the police to like turn on each other. One one is spying on the other, et cetera, et cetera. 
and it's a Brazilian film. So I will be checking that out. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Lost Boys. (laughs) I don't want to like say that it's homoerotic, but like some of like the posters that Michael has in his room are like, is this what a teenage boy like would have in their room in the 80s? In the 80s? (laughs) Like, I don't know. There's one where like Rob Lowe is like, undressing on his wall almost yeah he's like got his like shirt pulled up and his like pants kind of pulled down and I was like that's a pretty provocative poster (laughs) like and I was like do boys put up posters of people they want to look like like is is, did did you ever do that Kate no I don't think I did either I put up pictures of boys that I wanted to squeeze or whatever right I found that really odd too it's just a funny little note (laughs) it was funny and it didn't Nothing happened with it, so I was assuming it was normal for the 80s. Yeah, just like a little stray piece of cultural errata from the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing I tried doing was just like watching the movie and telling myself, okay, this kid's gay, and they're just not making a big deal out of it. Let's see if that pans out. And he could be gay. He doesn't get interested in any girls in this movie. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Could could be a few things. They don't really play with it. I mean, maybe he's like a little bit prepubescent. And so maybe he's not into girls yet and is kind of like, oh, I want to be tough like yeah. Rob Lowe. Is that how people thought of Rob Lowe in the 80s? <laughs> I don't know. When when did they find out that he did stuff with little girls or had videos or whatever it was? I forget what Rob it was Lowe, he did. Rob Lowe, the guy from Parks and Rec? Yeah. <gasps> really? Yeah, in 1988, actually. So it would have been the year... After this movie After. came out. Yeah. He was 24 and he had sex with a 16-year-old girl that he met in a nightclub. Oh. oh, Rob. Yeah. Bummer. I mean, he dealt with it. I mean, it all got handled. I don't know if it was on purpose or not. I'm not going to look that deeply into it. I don't I don't hate him or anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that happened. Yeah. It's just like a little disappointing. Yeah. I mean, it's it? one of those things where... Like, you hear about stuff with, like, these male actors, and you're just like, oh, that's right. It's like a reminder of, like, oh, that's right. We should have zero hero worship of any celebrity. Exactly. Celebrities. They're just like us. Except worse. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have money, I guess. Yeah. Public platforms. Yeah. Fame, all that shit. This was before that, so I guess it's all right. They didn't know. What about that totally insane shot of that guy from The Doors, like... <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Kate. That scene, my face was just focused on Jim Morrison the whole time. And I was like, yeah, when is that face going to disappear? <laughs> Why is it so persistent through this montage mess of a collage? It's chaotic. It is. It's a very chaotic shot. And this is kind of when Michael is like falling into like the badness with the vampire gang, right? Like yeah. he's kind of in a downward spiral. I was like, I guess Joel Schumacher is trying to make a <laughs> parallel between Jim Morrison's downward spiral, getting more into drugs and youth culture and dying or young or something. But I was like, was that more relevant then? I, I don't know. Like watching Maybe. it in like present day, I was like, this is a weird analogy to try and make for such an extended scene too. Like, yeah, you are right. Jim Morrison's face like just hangs out in the middle, like <laughs> huge for a long time. It's so bullseye. And they don't talk about Jim Morrison. They don't 
overplay his records. Like, I mean, you hear one, I think people are strange and that's about it in the movie, aside from the Echo mm-hmm. and the Bunnymen cover, but they don't talk about him. So it just seemed very weird that this shot of his face persists. This whole transition scene, there's nothing really artistic about it. When I was watching it, I was like, this is just, I'm just going to overlay shit until there's enough shit on the screen. And we can just say that's his transformation. There's no cool spiral effect or like artistic choice of like how they're blending. Like is his face turning into Jim Morrison? It's just very like, here's some shit. I I had to get a screenshot because this seems like such a good example of bad film composition. We'll put it on the blog so you Definitely. can go judge for yourself. The horror in this movie. What horror? I want to say that my expectations for the horror in this movie started too high because the movie opens with a kill. It does. It kills off two bozos who we haven't met. They're making out in the car. The vampire flies overhead and rips the top off of the car because mm-hmm. it wasn't a yeah it wasn't a convertible they actually like rip the top of the car off and take them away screaming it's like yeah. oh okay cool yeah that was fast in the first like 10 minutes of this movie there's like three deaths there's a peer security guard and the couple and so I was like oh cool like this is gonna have like a bunch of kill scenes in it And I think that because maybe because they had originally written it to be more of like a Goonies, like kids movie, there's not a lot of like dread or suspense. I don't think there's any true gore in this movie. Although there is some exploding goopy bodies. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, vampires explode when they die. So, I mean, but it was goofy. Like it didn't feel like shocking it was kind of funny to watch like these little 12 year old boys with their slingshots and their squirt guns like explode some vampires was it scary at the time maybe do you think or was this going for that maybe i something i've been thinking as we've been working our way through this season is a lot of these movies are categorized as a blank horror yes a romantic horror or a thriller horror or a comedy horror And the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking that it's because there's vampires. And they're like, vampires only take place in horror movies. And so if you add a vampire to any other genre, they're immediately going to append horror to it. Mm -hmm. Even if there's no other hallmark of a horror genre within the movie. It's like mostly just the addition of this like supernatural scary creep because you can have a lot of deaths in a movie and it's still not a horror it would be like a thriller or an action or a drama or whatever or schindler's but, list yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> you know like and so i think that like this one has a good amount of death in it i think the maybe scariest scene in this movie is when the vampires attack the party at the bonfire as part of michael's mm, initiation you're right that's a good one. And I think like because he he's hanging back and he's kind of up in that tree watching the vampires just like infiltrate and then like kill all of these like teenagers. I don't think that we like really see anything explicit, but like y- he's horrified watching it. And I think he doesn't participate in it. That scene was scary, but I don't think that anything 
else in the movie kind of equates to that. The one thing I wrote down for horror was actually the vampire costumes and the face prosthetics. I think Mm, they did mm -hmm. a really nice job with making them look scary. They give them the contacts so their eyes turn kind of like a flaming bright color. It's like a Mm -hmm. yellowish color. And then they add, I want to say folds. They have kind of the forehead. Yeah. This was so interesting to me because I watched um, a lot of like Buffy and Angel yeah. when I was younger. And I was like, oh, this feels like the blueprint for yes. teen vampires <laughs> in the 90s because they've got the face folds. Their noses like have the scrunch folds mm-hmm. too. And then their eyes change and then their their teeth kind of come forward. And I thought that that was fun. Like I thought that that was a good use of prosthetics. Totally. Yeah. And it's a nice juxtaposition to how attractive everybody is, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody is a decent looking actor in this movie, at least. And then they get those prosthetics on and it's like, whoa, that's frightening. I'd I'd be literally frightened. I mean, at one point, Michael hides his face from his brother because he doesn't want his brother to see him. So I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that is good. And them sleeping upside down and that kind of dilapidated. Yeah. That is good. I do like that. The killing of all the vampires, you know, they get staked in general. Right. Um, Or they get (laughs) – at the end, it's like multiple of them are killed in like kind of almost the exact same way where they're like pushed into something that stakes them. Yes. Yeah. Like like antlers or onto a wooden fence post. (laughs) It's just like kind of funny, but – them getting killed as part of this like extended sequence like with the younger boys and I feel like anytime you have the younger boys in a scene it's it's not as scary no yeah they they don't really mix the horror up with the little kids so much you know it's gonna be safe in this movie yeah yeah what's this movie rated I forget 13 it is rated R oh okay what oh that's wild it you know, what's funny is I just have such a strong conception of this movie as being for yeah kids in that like 13 to 17 right. age range that I was like, oh, it's probably PG-13. I would guess it's the sex scene that yeah. probably tipped it over to R. I would think so, That too. totally unnecessary sex scene. <laughs> I know. I, I'm so curious how this movie would have gone if it had stayed a kid's movie. Like, what would have come out of that? yeah. It is curious. This uh, this movie also posits that holy water works, but not garlic, which I think is kind of cool. I like how they'll some of these monster movies will play with what you know and mm-hmm. decide a rule doesn't count. Why not? We'll just put the audience on their back foot. I think that this movie tries to reestablish a lot of vampire characteristics and it disorients the audience in a way where the characters in the movie are also disoriented because they have their own expectations of what to look for and then that just ends up doing them a disservice because like when they're trying to figure out who the head vampire is they're like oh well this guy who's trying to date our mom is like able to eat garlic and he's like inside of our house like all of these things right we're fine but it turns out that some of these things don't matter. I mean, I think that the half vampire thing is probably one of the weirder additions. Yeah, the weird rule about how you can start to gain some of the powers, but you're not truly a vampire. And then also 
you can cure this. It's very, very yeah. mystical at that point. Yes. I think the the like initiation ritual where you don't even need to be bitten to like get turned into this half state is very interesting also because I feel like in so many of these other vampire movies, the bite is such a critical part of it. Well, do you recommend this movie, Kate? I do, actually. Um, I think that this one's pretty fun. And like I said, like it's pretty watchable. I don't think it's a horror movie. I think it kind of lands more in this like coming of age horror comedy type movie. And so I think if you go into it with that point of view, but I, I enjoy it. I think it's I think it's a fun movie. What about you? It is fun. It's more fun than I expected. So I was expecting something different. But yeah, I think for a grown up Goonies movie, it's it's not bad. I, I kind of hate the sex scene just because it's weird. But mm-hmm. other than that, it's it's a fun watch. And if you haven't seen it, I I do recommend watching it. I wish I could be a fly on the wall when Gen Z watches this movie. Like, I would love <laughs> to hear their reaction to some of the stuff that happens in the movie. Oh my gosh, you're going to have to get your bed-sharing niece and nephew um, to watch this <laughs> and jot down some of their feelings around it. <laughs> well, we are in the back half of our season. We've just got a couple more movies to go. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on these vampires and maybe there's some vampires that we missed and you would like to see us cover potentially in a future season. So make sure to hit up the blog, hit up the socials, and let us know what other vampire movies you would like to see. This was Not Quite Dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Not Quite Dead Podcast and on Twitter at NQD underscore podcast. Follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And happy watching. <laughs>